0: Amen. Hey, I love that. That's a throwback right there. That's a song that's about 10, 12 years old, and I love the memories that that brings back. That's almost like singing an old hymn. I'm just going to throw that out there. Some of you guys are like, hey, I've never heard that song before. That's because we haven't sung it for about a decade. I just need you to know that right now. But the reason we sang that song today is because that's the theme of the day. I want to welcome you today. We are celebrating... Palm Sunday here at Crossroads, and wherever you are, whether you're in this room, outside at Drive-In Church, watching online, or in St. Pete or Mishawaka, the reality is that today we celebrate what is known as the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, and it's a huge moment in the life and in the ministry of Jesus because it's that moment where he is at the height of his popularity. It's a moment where all the crowds are excited to see him. It's a moment where they are expecting him to do something amazing. And in fact, when he rides into Jerusalem, as we're going to look at today in, in, in the book of Matthew, the crowds are literally yelling. They're yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And when they're yelling Hosanna, what that means is they are cheering. It is literally saying, cheer, hooray, salvation is here. That's what they're screaming. That's why we sing that song. That's why we throw it back to the old days, because it's the perfect segue into what we're talking about. Salvation is here. That is what we celebrate on Palm Sunday. But what's crazy about the crowd in that moment, Jesus at the height of his popularity, What's unbelievable is that the crowd in that moment, as great as Jesus was, as popular as he was in that moment, they did not fully grasp the salvation that he brought to them. And today I just want to make sure that we are awake. Because when we are awake, we become alive to what God is doing, to the way he is moving, to the way that he is drawing us to become more like him. I want you today to leave awake to what it means to the reality that salvation is here. What it is that Jesus has done for us so that we don't miss out on a single thing. What I love about the setup to this story is the story of Zacchaeus. As we just read through that during our worship set and as we're talking about that today, there's a reality in Luke chapter 19 as Jesus is is going through Jericho to get to Jerusalem one of the last interactions that he has before this great triumphal entry into Jerusalem is with Zacchaeus. And I don't know if you noticed in the story of Zacchaeus, but when Jesus walks under that tree, he looks up at at Zacchaeus, who is an outsider. He is an outcast. Everybody hates Zacchaeus because he has cheated, he has lied to, he has swindled, he has manipulated every person in that crowd. He has taken advantage of them. Nobody likes Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, all right, like nobody likes you. And then there's Jesus who sees him up in that tree and he stops in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the celebration, in the middle of the crowd, and he says, Zacchaeus, I have to go to your house today. We have got to grab lunch, my friend. I need to talk to you. That's an astonishing moment for everyone in the crowd. Everybody's irritated. They're grumbling, mumbling. Why is he he going to go spend time with Zacchaeus? He doesn't he know who he is. He's a swindler. We hate him. That's the crowd. I don't know why I'm talking like that. I'm not going to lie to you. I have no idea where that came from. (laughs) But there's something really amazing about that moment. And it's a moment where Jesus is able to define in total clarity what his mission is. Because in Luke 19.10, Jesus says very profoundly, I came to seek and to save those who are lost. I want you to consider the ramifications of that. That is Jesus' sole purpose as to why he came to planet earth. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And I want to encourage you today to to wake up to the reality that Jesus is here to seek you out. All right? you got to wake up. Wake up now. Listen, I get it. I'm a pastor. When I speak, it's like a soothing lullaby. It just puts you to sleep. I I get it. I get it. I think I could make a lot of money just reading sermons to kids, like a lullaby, like some kind of podcast I need to develop that you just turn it on when you need your kids to go to sleep at night. And there's Pastor Tim preaching a sermon. Oh, yeah. Let, point number one of 117, number one. And then that kid's asleep in like two minutes. I feel like that's a, that's a, that's a moneymaker. I'm not going to lie to you. That could, that could work. Uh, but that's beside the point. The, the idea is you're not go to sleep and wake, wake up. Make sure you realize what Jesus has done for you. And number one is this. Jesus has come here to seek you out. Man, I love that he looked up at, Je- at Zacchaeus and he's like, dude, we have got to meet today. We've got to grab lunch. I need to talk to you. There's something profound about that. That no matter who you are, what your background looks like, what baggage, fears, failures, insecurities you bring to the table, Jesus is here to seek you out. You matter to God. You are dearly and deeply loved by Him. And there's something profound about the creator of the universe, God becoming man, coming to planet Earth to seek you out. There's something powerful there. It's not always great to be sought out. I'm not going to lie to you. I remember driving back up to Olivet Nazarene University. I was a freshman in college at Clearwater Christian College. And listen, I had a hot date that I needed to make. There was a big old Christmas banquet that I was going to with a girl named Dana Wolf. Boy, she was smoking hot, and now she's our preschool director here at Crossroads. And. I needed to get to Olivet in time for this Christmas banquet. And that's a long drive. I don't know if you're aware of that from Clearwater, Florida to Bourbonnais, Illinois. It's quite a drive. And so I'm hauling it. I am going as fast as I can. And I will never forget, I was driving down Highway 24, making the turn onto Highway 57, just cruising right along with a group of people that had the same kind of intensity, the same type of purpose that I had as a driver in that moment. And I will never forget, as I made the turn onto Highway 57, all of a sudden, there was a ginormous police officer standing in the middle of the road. This is a true story. Standing in the middle of the road, we all slam on our brakes, and as we crawl past him at five miles an hour, he's pointing to random cars. You! Pull over! You pull over. I drove by just looking straight ahead, 10 o'clock, 2 o'clock, everything's going to be fine. Pointed right at me. You pull over. It's not always good to be sought out. I just need you to know that, all right? It's not always good. (laughs) That's one of the moments where it was not good for me to be sought out. However, I remember when I arrived at Olivet, Dana sought me out. That was great. She was looking for me and she was excited to see me. I was loving every minute. It was a great time. And here's the thing. (laughs) More important and more powerful than any moment we could experience in this life of ours. Man, God loves you so much with an extravagant love that he seeks you out. God loved the world so much that he gave his one only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him doesn't perish. We don't die we get everlasting life. He came to planet Earth to bring us that gift, to bring us that hope, to bring us salvation. He did that for you. He did that for me. And I just want to remind you today, don't don't miss this. Wake up. Jesus is here to seek you out. And I want you to keep that in mind as we celebrate the fact that salvation is here and to think about what that truly means as we dive into Palm Sunday today. It says in Matthew 21, When they came near Jerusalem, this is Jesus and his disciples heading into Jerusalem for his triumphal entry. When they came near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples ahead of him. He said to them, go into the village ahead of you, you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them. That person will send them at once. Now, I need to clarify something here. Sometimes people take Scripture out of context. This is one of those Scriptures you don't want to take out of context, where you say, well, Jesus said, I can just take whatever I I want and just tell them the Lord needs it. That's not going to work for you, all right? Do not take that out of context. Yesterday, we were at the Easter extravaganza. Can we just say a huge thank you to everyone that, that volunteered their time to make that event come to life? It was extraordinary. What a great event we had here. Here yesterday, and we got events like that happening in Mishawaka today and in St. Pete today. We're going to be connecting all kinds of people to the hope that we have in Jesus. I'm just super excited about what's happening right now. But here's the thing. Yesterday, I ordered three tacos from the taco truck out there at the, at the Easter Extravagan. Can you imagine what that would have looked like if I had said, hey, thanks for the tacos. I'm just going to take these because the Lord needs them. <laughs> <laughs> it, w- it wouldn't have ended well, right? Like, Here's your $11. Enjoy. Here's the thing. it's just important to realize that was for that time. Don't try that today, all right? That that was a bonus, all right? That's just extra stuff that you didn't need today, but I gave it to you anyway. All right, verse 4. says, this happened, and this is important, so that what the prophet had said came true. When the prophet wrote, tell the people of Zion, your king is coming to you. He's gentle, riding on a donkey, on a colt, a young pack animal. The disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and it all came to fruition. Recognize this is important, and this is a detail that's just also a bonus, but w- consider this for a second. We've been talking for the last five weeks in our, our Mighty hero series about the importance of simple obedience. This is a moment that was prophesied about Jesus. He will come into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. It doesn't seem very significant, but know this. Every prophecy that was given about Jesus needed to be fulfilled in him for him to be the promised Messiah. Every single one of them. And this is one of those moments where Jesus fulfilled a prophecy. How was he able to do that? Because whoever owned that donkey was obedient. When the disciples came to him and said, hey, we need this donkey, they could have said, no way, what are you talking about? You owe me $11. No, it was that moment of obedience that never gets talked about. We have no idea who that person was, but that act of obedience led to the fulfillment of prophecy in Jesus. Just a thought, obedience wins the day every single time. All right, that was just another piece of bonus work. We're going to get going now on the real stuff. Here we go. As Jesus is riding into the city, it says they brought the donkey and the colt and put their coats on them for Jesus to sit on. Most of the people spread their coats on the road. Others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowd that went ahead of him and that followed him was shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus came into Jerusalem, the whole city was in an uproar. People were asking, who is this? The crowd answered, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. This is an unbelievable moment for Jesus. Again, he is at the height of his popularity. The people are singing his praises. They are shouting, salvation is here. Hosanna to the highest heaven. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Salvation is here. And I want you to wake up again today because Jesus came here to seek you out, but he also came to save you. And I hope that you're leaning in today to what that really means, to the life that he brings us, because the reality is, and I I want you to circle this, the reality is, is that all those people, those crowds that had gathered around, they're singing his praises, they're yelling, salvation is here, they've seen his miracles, they've seen him do extraordinary things, they've heard him speak, they recognize that the anointing of God is on this person, but they haven't fully grasped what that means. Most of the people in this crowd, when they say salvation is here, they're thinking this is our promised Messiah. For hundreds of years we've been looking forward to this moment where the prophecy would be fulfilled. This Messiah is going to save us. But all they could think about was maybe a reality where this person could save them from the Romans who had overtaken the Israelite nation. All they could see was someone who could help them form a revolt and gain their freedom back as the people of Israel. They had not wrapped their mind around the fact that the salvation that Jesus was bringing was eternal. It was so much more than just the temporary, the here and now. It had so much more depth. It was based on so much more love. What Jesus was about to do them was more than they could ever hope to comprehend or imagine. And that salvation is here. I hope that you embrace that, that you lean into that in your life. Because when you encounter Jesus, it changes everything. Jesus came to seek you out. He came for you. And he came to bring you salvation. And it's salvation for your soul. I mean, when you recognize that Jesus is here to seek you out, that he cares for you, that your life matters to him, I mean, that brings you a joy. That's a joy that's unspeakable. I am dearly and deeply loved by God. I am his child. He places his name on me. I matter. And then when you realize that Jesus has come to save me, to give me hope for today, hope for tomorrow, hope for eternity, life, life to the full, there is nothing that compares to that. Not a single thing. It says in Hebrews 6, we have this hope, this hope in Jesus that is an anchor for our souls. It is firm, it is secure. There is nothing that rattles that. There is nothing that shakes that. Salvation is here. Romans 15, 13, one of my favorite prayers in the Bible, Paul writes, may the God of hope, may Jesus himself fill you with joy and peace as you put your trust in him. May you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. All of that, the, the joy, the peace, the hope that everyone is looking for, we find it in Jesus. In fact, I would contend with you today that Jesus is the answer to all of those deep questions that we have in life. When you wonder, where do I come from? Why am I here? What is the purpose of my life? What is my destiny? And Jesus answers every single one of those questions difficult questions that we as as humans grapple with. I think about my origin. Where did I come from? When I put my trust in Jesus, when I believe that I was fearfully and wonderfully made by God, that I've been made in his image, that I am his child, and I know where I come from. What's my identity? I'm a a child of God. That changes everything. Everything. You talk about purpose and meaning, well, I was created by God, I was created for God. He's created me to do good works that he planned in advance for me to do. I'm here for a reason, I'm here to make a difference for eternity. Thinking about my future, my eternal destiny, God's got that one under control too. My hope is in Jesus, my hope is in eternal life because I have been saved. I am offered this hope, again, that is an anchor for my soul. It is firm and it is secure. Don't miss out on what Jesus has done for you. When we say salvation is here, that changes everything. What's crazy is that the people in that moment missed it. They didn't realize what Jesus was bringing to the table. But what's even more incredible is the reality that Jesus doesn't stop there. He came to seek you out. He came to save you. But check out how he interacts with the people in this moment, knowing full well that he's about to be crucified by these same people. He's about to lay down himself as a sacrifice. It's a greater sacrifice than anyone could have ever imagined, anyone could have ever conceived. In this moment, it says, blind and lame people came to him in the temple courtyard and he healed them all the outsiders, all the outcasts, all those who were downtrodden and broken. Those were the people he surrounded himself with. It says that when the chief priests and the experts in Moses' teaching saw the amazing miracles he performed and the children shouting in the temple courtyard, Hosanna, salvation is here, the son of David. They were irritated, which always amazes me. How can you see all the miracles of Jesus? How can you witness that with your eyes, and instead of being overwhelmed and filled with wonder, you're irritated. Well, it's, it's because you're filled with pride. It's because it's all about you. you're not getting the attention you want. It doesn't match up with how you think it should be. Our pride, it blinds us to what Jesus is doing. They're irritated. It says, some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. Why are you letting them praise you and say salvation is here? Listen to this response by Jesus. This is fantastic. He replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. That's a pretty good comeback. I'm not going to lie to you. That's pretty solid. Don't ever get into a war of words with Jesus because, well, he created everything and he's going to own you. You just need to know that. What an incredible moment, though. Don't tell them to stop cheering and praising. They're praising God. And if you make them be quiet, creation itself will scream my praises. I'm your savior. I'm your creator. I'm your king. And what's amazing about all of that is that Jesus came to seek us out. He came to save us. But I think almost more unbelievable than that is he came to serve us. That's what's mind-numbing about that. God steps out of heaven, becomes a man, could do anything that he wanted. Jesus, in that moment, at the height of his popularity, could have become the king they were all looking for, could have lived a lavish life filled with power, done anything he wanted to. But instead of taking on that role of, of honor and prestige and power, he chose to serve. He humbled himself. At the height of his popularity, when anything was an option, Throughout that week, he would stay laser focused on his mission. And he would serve. He would gather around the table with his disciples later that week. He would wash their feet. He would break bread with them and say, This bread is my body, which is going to be broken for you. This cup is my blood that I'm pouring out for you. That's the love that he has for us. Man, we say salvation is here, and that's what he has done for us. He seeks us out. He saves us when we don't do anything to deserve it, when we can't do anything to earn it. He just offers that forgiveness, he offers that freedom, he offers that life. Man, and he serves us with an unbelievable, extravagant and unmatched love. That's who he is. That's what he does. And that's what we celebrate, Palm Sunday and Easter. This extravagant love that Jesus has for us. I'd ask you to consider that as we come to a close today. Would, would you bow your head and close your eyes in this moment and just listen to the words of Paul in Philippians chapter 2? He writes, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a servant and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Salvation is here. Jesus has come to seek you out. He's chosen to save you. He's chosen to serve you. And with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I would just ask that you draw close to Jesus in this moment. Give him thanks for what he's done for you. Praise him for the way he's changed your life. Think about how your life has been forever changed by encountering his love. But I want to end where we started today because this is too important to not address. Jesus walks into Jericho he sees Zacchaeus up in that tree, the outsider, the outcast. And he looks him in the eye and he says, Zacchaeus, I've got to spend time with you. We have to grab lunch. We have to talk. If you're here today and you've not said yes to Jesus, I want you to know that He is seeking you out. He loves you with an extravagant love. He's chosen to serve you. Revelation chapter three, it says, Jesus is standing at the door to your heart, that he's knocking on that door. And he says, I'm asking that you would open up the door to your heart that you would let me in. Then we can sit down together. We can eat together. We can be friends. It's just a beautiful, intimate picture of the relationship that God wants to have with you. And it all begins by saying yes to Jesus. So if you're here today and you're realizing, you need to seek the face of Jesus. You need to say yes to the gift that he is offering you. Wherever you're at, wherever you're watching, I just encourage you and invite you to say, Jesus, I need you. I'm lost and I sense you knocking on the door to my heart and Jesus I'm saying yes to you and I'm opening the door I'm inviting you in Jesus forgive me forgive me of my sins and make me new I want to tell you right now if that's the cry of your heart then salvation is here you are alive you have been set free I would love to celebrate that with you today if that's a decision that you've made come see us out in the lobby, let us know we want to celebrate that with you, give you a free Bible help you take the next steps in your faith because your journey with Jesus has just begun we want to celebrate that with you but I want to take that to another level you're here today and you've said yes to Jesus you've already done that I want to encourage you with a next step in your faith, and that is baptism. That's you saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. That's you taking a next step of obedience. God asks us to identify as followers of him, and baptism is that sacred thing that he's called us to do. And next Sunday, Easter Sunday, where we celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive, we're going to be baptizing all kinds of people. And I would love to celebrate your changed life. Celebrate what Jesus has done for you. And so I would encourage you today in the strongest terms, say yes to baptism. Take this next step in your faith and let's celebrate in the biggest way possible next Sunday that we are alive, that we have been set free, that salvation is here. Because Jesus has chosen to seek us out. He has chosen to save us. He has chosen to serve us. Don't be unchanged by that love. Embrace his love and become more like him. Jesus, we're thankful today for who you are, for the incredible love that you have for us. We praise you in this moment and we just say, Jesus, (laughs) in you, salvation is here. And so we thank you for your love. We praise you today because you're worthy. There is no one like you. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. And this week, as we remember and we reflect on the sacrifice you have made so that we could experience eternal life, we just ask God that you would help us to seek your face, to draw closer to you, and to continue being transformed into your image. God, we love you today and we give you thanks. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.